Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Therefore, as a result of these things, because he suffered, because he ascended at the right hand of the Father now, having all authority over all of, uh, powers and subjects, therefore, since Christ also suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Arm yourselves with it. Take on the same mind. Furnish yourself with this same idea. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Today on Truth in Christ, in the last days, Christians should have an attitude of commitment. Welcome to our Bible study for today. The commitment God calls us to have is nothing greater than the commitment Jesus had in enduring suffering for our salvation. In the last days, we need to have a commitment to God that will endure through great struggles. Jesus communicated this same idea when he told us that anyone who would come after him must take up their cross and follow. Take up the cross meant that you were absolutely committed and not looking back. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1 and follow along with Pastor Rob. Living for the will of God. And we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, hopefully the first 11 verses, if nothing else, uh, at least the first six verses. And let's just go ahead and read it together. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do, you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account of him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, And if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. And if anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, 
to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's go back to verse 1 there. It says, therefore, and as you know, whenever you see the word therefore, you have to go back and find out wherefore. (laughs) Wherefore are you saying therefore? Well, if you look back in chapter 3, verse 18, it should be on the same page if your font is not too big on your Bible. Uh, It says in in verse 18 of chapter 3, it says, For Christ also suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. And then look down at verse 22. Because this is the wherefore, for, the therefore, (laughs) because he has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. As a result of his sacrifice, as a result of his worship on the cross to his Father, the only sacrifice, the one sacrifice, only one has to happen. It only has to happen once. He did it once and for all. He went into heaven and is at the right hand of God. Angels and authority and powers having been made subject to him. And now we can go into the therefore in verse 4, or chapter 4. Therefore, as a result of these things, because he suffered, because he ascended at the right hand of the Father now, having all authority over all of, uh, powers and subjects, therefore, since Christ also suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Arm yourselves with it. Take on the same mind. Furnish yourself with this same idea, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, when we look at that, you know, someone who is dead doesn't have a problem with sin. Wouldn't you agree? When you go to the cemetery and you see all the tombstones, there's nobody struggling. There's nobody, you don't see the, the earth underneath the tombstone starting to rattle because they're struggling with sin issues. No, it's quiet. Only thing you hear is the birds because they're dead. They're gone. There's no more a problem with sin. They don't struggle against temptation like you and I do. In Romans 6, beginning in verse 6, Paul said, Knowing this, that our old man, this old flesh, was crucified with him, with Christ, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Aren't you glad that you've been freed from sin? You no longer have to continue sinning. Before I knew Jesus, that's all I could do is sin. I was helpless, it seemed. The very natural thing is just to sin. It is. It's very natural to sin. It's supernatural not to sin. But it's very easy for us to sin. All we have to do is just wake up in the morning, and you start sinning from the moment your eyes awake and uh, throughout the day. But, you know, it's interesting. In our flesh, we don't want to have the same mind in us like was in Christ. Because if it isn't beneficial to us, especially before Christ, if it's not beneficial to us or if in some way it hurts us or we suffer, we don't want anything to do with it. And especially as Americans, if it doesn't benefit us in some way, then we discard it because it's not worth pursuing, it's not worth having. That's just our culture. And unfortunately, that's a a wrong attitude, isn't it? It's a wrong way of thinking. But does it stumble you? Does it discourage you that you may have to go through difficulty as a Christian or that there may be trials and temptations ahead of you? We know that this is true for every Christian. Nobody really wants to suffer or go through difficulties or hardship. 
If you did, there'd be something wrong with you. Nobody really wants to go through it. But we know that it is. It's just par for the course, being a Christian. Because remember, we live in an enemy territory. This world, remember when Jesus, when uh, in his... Um, when Jesus, we're going to look at that here shortly, but in Matthew chapter 4, the devil was able to show Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, all these things I'll give to you if you just bow down once to me. And Jesus didn't argue with him. The reason why is because back in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, that great, wonderful provision that God had given to them and the title deed, if you will, to the earth, to all the things in it, was now handed to the devil because of their disobedience. And he is the ruler of this world. That's what the Bible says. He's the prince of the power of the air. Jesus didn't argue with him that he is in control over it, in a sense. He's only a dog on a leash, if I can use that term. Because ultimately the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and they that dwell in it. Ultimately it belongs to God, but temporarily it's being overruled and being corrupted continually by the devil himself. But we don't want to go through suffering, but it is par for the course because we live in enemy territory. Remember in First Peter, in the same epistle that we're reading now, in the first chapter, remember, as a result of the living hope, Peter said to them, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, he says, you have an inheritance that's incorruptible, it's undefiled, it doesn't fade away, and it's, by the way, reserved in heaven for you. And in verse 6 he says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, there is a, there is a process that, in, in, in this process of sanctification that God has put each one of us in, we are being tried. We have trials and tests. Because a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And God knows what he can trust. And he doesn't put trust in man. He puts, in, he puts trust solely in himself and what the Spirit of God is doing in you. That he can trust. But us he cannot trust. But don't be surprised by these things. You know, sometimes the greatest lessons that we learn are the ones that cost us the most. They're the ones that hurt the most. We learn a lot about where our faith is and who our faith is really in when we go through such things. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at the parable of the sower. He said, Arm yourselves with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And trials and difficulties, they're just part of the Christian walk. And Jesus in Matthew 13, beginning in verse 3, gives this parable of the sower he says, Then Jesus spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. But notice, we're not going to read the whole thing, but he says, Some fell on stony places, this seed. And if you're a farmer, you understand this. It fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth no moisture to get nutrients from. But when the sun was up and they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And Jesus goes on and talks about other soil. But let's just go on now to verse 20 of that same chapter because he gives us an idea, gives us the interpretation of that 
that sower who sowed his seed on the stony ground and immediately sprang up, but because of the sun and the scorch, it, it dried up and it went away. He says, but he who received the seed on stony places, verse 20, is this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but he, enjoy, he endures for only a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Immediately he stumbles. And you know, when you think of that, that, that is something that we don't want to, that's a place that we don't want to be in. And maybe you profess Christ, and maybe you have given your heart to him, and then maybe you have seen what has happened in the world and the things that are going on in your life now. And God is allowing it, and it may be difficult, and, and you may find that your friends abandon you, that even your own family looks, turns their back on you. Don't be startled by that. Don't be startled when people ridicule you for your faith. Again, you're on enemy ground. And anyone who doesn't have Christ in them is being controlled by the enemy of our soul, Satan. Now, they may not be possessed by Satan, but they're in his hands because they don't yet have the Spirit of God in them. And so, therefore, when they see the light in you, they abhor the light because it exposes their darkness. And as a result of that, you're going to receive some looks. You might even receive a few words. You might be passed over for a promotion. You might be fired. Your own family will turn its back on you. Jesus said these things would happen. They ought not to surprise us. But think of it, folks. For whatever we have to go through on this earth, it's very short. It's very short. And then eternity. Compare eternity with the 80 years or 90 years or maybe 100 if you're doing really well. Compare that to eternity. There is no comparison. It's like it's almost like those 100, 100 years that you lived on the earth didn't even exist. I mean, if you were to put it on a graph somehow, which you really can't because you can't measure eternity, put your 100 years in a, little, in a little bar graph on the left side over here and then compare it with eternity, it vanishes very quickly. And so it behooves us to make the decision now to follow Jesus Christ, to give our hearts to him completely, unreservedly, give everything to him. He died for me, he died for you. There's no one who's claimed to do what he has done. And now he ever lives to make intercession for us. And he says, I will come back and receive you unto myself, just as I said. And Jesus has never lied to his people. He's never lied to us. All the prophecies in the past have been fulfilled very literally, and we have every reason to believe the things yet future to us are going to happen the same. I'm convinced of it. I don't even need to worry about it. And I pray that you are too. Let this mind be in you. And don't be discouraged when you go through things. Let the same mind, the idea is intent there in verse 1. Let the intent of it. In Philippians chapter 2, verse, beginning in verse 5, remember this. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, Jesus did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But notice what he did. He made himself of no reputation. This is what we need to be doing too. Putting on no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant. That's a slave. I'd rather be a slave to God than to be a slave of the devil. The devil is a cruel taskmaster, but God is the wonderful master. He cares about his people. He loves you, and he is not going to treat you harshly. He is a great God of life and love. God is love. 
but the enemy of your souls, he only wants to destroy you. And then he, he goes on, he says, taking the form of a bondservant, he, he did, and coming in the likeness of men. He, was, he, he forever existed with God the Father, but now he comes in the form of a man through the Virgin Mary, and being found in appearance as a man, notice what he did. Did he come down with a, with a great big gavel and just start smacking people with it and start, you know, and just start zapping people like the Sith in Star Wars? You're going to get it pulls out his trident and gives him the old wazoo, you know. No. He comes and he dies on the cross, obedient to death, and not only the death, but the death of a cross. And as it says there in verse 1, that he who has suffered in the flesh, this is not speaking of Jesus, although he did suffer in the flesh, but it's, it's comparing uh, Jesus with the way we should be. For he who has suffered in the flesh, like us, has ceased from sin. And that, that doesn't mean that we're sinless, but we no longer have the pull of sin on you. The idea of sinless, or, or um, excuse me, cease from sin, it literally means you no longer are stirred by its incitements, by its seductions. You have power now. Before, you didn't have any power. You just fell down and cried like a baby, saying, help. <laughs> and you, were, you, you seemed powerless, but now you have the Spirit of God in you, the very power of God on your side, giving you the strength, if, if you will, if you will. Have you ever noticed this even as a Christian? Have you ever been, uh, there may be a sin in your life in particular, it could be different for everybody, but before you were saved, you didn't even think of it, you just fell into it, sort of like just waking up and putting your clothes on. You just fell into it, but now as a Christian, you've got a choice to make, and the battle's on, isn't it? The battle is on, and now the battle, it's a battle because there's a fight. There's a new nature in you that is resisting the old nature that you were born with, that we were all born with. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. It's not even a question of it might be a good idea. No, you must be born again. It has to happen. In order for you to be, to spend eternity with God, everybody wants to go to heaven, but they want to do it their way, and they want to live their life. They want to live like hell on earth and then expect that God will will forgive them, even though they haven't professed Christ. You know, the, the old adage, they go up to St. Peter and say, well, you've got to let me in. I, I was at the bake sale. Um, I helped uh, Virginia Root across the street, and I didn't kick her cane out from underneath her. I've done all these things. I've given millions to the church. I helped the Notre Dame Cathedral. I spent three, you know, $35 million I donated to restore the, the, the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. And Jesus will say, That's, okay, so what does that mean? doesn't mean that you're coming to heaven. If you're born again and you give $35 million, that's praise the Lord. You can give it to us. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. Just kidding. It doesn't make any... But the, there's no longer these incitements, these seductions. They no longer have power over you. And again, this verse is not speaking of Jesus. It's speaking about the way we ought to be. That's why we ought to have this mind. We ought to arm ourselves with the same idea. In 2 Corinthians, it said that, uh, that God the Father made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus was sinless. But with us, it's a whole different story. It's why we must be born again. And you know, it's unfortunate, but it seems I learn more by suffering than just taking God's word at face value. We somehow feel that we could sin and not get away with it, or we could sin and get um, 
and not get caught or that our choices will yield a better result than what the Bible tells us? How often have you told your kids or warned them about something only for them to just go headlong into it, you know? But eventually, even the most stubborn will learn if they go through enough pain. In Romans chapter 6, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice the wages. It's something that you earn. As a result of your sin, you get something in return. There's a wage that you're given. You're given something, and it's a bill that you cannot pay. And boy, it's a bitter pill. It's a, it's, it's a bill that you can't pay, but it's also a bitter pill. It's a horrible thing. But that's what you get for sinning. You get death. That's the result of it. And it may be physical death like right now, but it's certainly a spiritual death. If you are left unrepentant and you continue in your way, Ultimately, one day, the Bible says there is a second death, and that's where you are dead forever in eternal torment. But I respond really well to pain. <laughs> I respond really well to pain and hardship. I learn because it hurts. You know, when you're a kid in Rochester, during the winter, and you're told not to put your tongue on the flagpole, and you do it anyway, you learn a good deal about what the gift of tongues is not. I'm glad you laughed. I, th- I thought it was kind of funny. But the Bible says in Hebrews, though he, Jesus, was a son, and he is, he's the son of God. He is God in the flesh. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience. Isn't that crazy to think about? That Jesus allowed himself, his glory, to be veiled while he was on the earth, and he would go through untold uh, difficulty and untold grief and untold torture, but it says that he learned obedience. See, God can't learn anything, but Jesus, as he veiled that and came to earth to pay the price, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. He suffered. He was no stranger to difficulty. This word learned literally means to, to learn by use and practice or to be in the habit of, to be accustomed to. And if there was anyone who was used to this, it was Jesus. He was rejected. He knew grief. His own brothers rejected him until after his resurrection. His own family thought he was losing his mind, that he was mad. His own countrymen rejected him. And even the religious leaders who should have been on his side pointing to him, saying, this is the Messiah, this is the one that the Scripture has been telling us all about for hundreds of years. Look at him. Here he is. Let's worship him. Think of how different everything would have been had they done that. But no, his own countrymen, the religious leaders, thought he was possessed by the devil himself. Isaiah said that he's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. And he was despised, and we did not esteem him. In verse 2, here in 1 Peter 4, he says that, that we or that he, speaking of us, not Jesus, no longer should live, we should no longer live the rest of our time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but rather for the will of God. Notice that our time, again, here on earth is short. And in the Psalms, in a Psalm of David in Psalm 39, it says, Lord, make me to know my end. Make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days? That I may know how frail I am. Do you know how frail you are? 
Isn't it amazing how frail life is? And yet sometimes, especially when we're young and we're, we're, we're lifting weights and we're in shape and we're eating all the right foods and we're taking that powdered stuff that we put in the milk and we stir it up and, you know, and we're getting all pumped and everything, you feel like a million bucks. You feel like you're invulnerable. Or you feel like you're, um, nothing can harm you, nothing can hurt you. And yet your life can be taken just like that. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.